0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, Today's going to be a great one, by the way. I want to I take a minute, and I know you guys are, are sharing it on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, if anybody still goes there. Um, I want to deal with something that I've seen so much, so much, uh, and so often recently, within the last two years especially, uh, that's become such a popular trend, and uh, I'm sure that you guys have heard of it, even if you've not gone into the, the depth of what it means, because you might just see it on social media or hear other people talking about it, but you've maybe not looked deeply into it. I'm going to break it down today and explain what it is and why it's so dangerous and why it's literally taking people out of faith, taking them out of the church, uh, as it were, stripping their salvation from them. They're walking away from their own salvation over this, and that is the subject of uh, deconstructing Has anybody, put a hand up in the comments if you've heard any Christians talking about deconstructing, deconstructing their faith, deconstructing their belief systems. Uh, This whole movement of deconstruction has been so popular, so popular uh, and, and vocal on social media at the same time. So more and more people are hearing about it. And you might see somebody say that and be like, what is that? What is deconstructing my faith? Uh, see, I knew there'd be some people that haven't heard of it. That's why I'm going to explain it, uh, right at the front of the broadcast and then explain why it's so dangerous. So many of our young people, uh, are, are hearing this, uh, thanks to Instagram. Thanks to TikTok. Thanks to, uh, different social media platforms. Other people are, uh, we're seeing a lot of Gen Z, a lot of Gen X, uh, Y, that are really dealing with this and some of them getting involved in it. And I, and here's the sad thing on the, on the surface, it sounds good on the surface. It sounds good. Um, but once you break it down, what it actually is, which we're going to do today, um, it's, it's not good at all. In fact, it's extremely destructive, uh, and it's very dangerous for Christians. And so I want to talk about it with you. And this is, this is going to, um, help you, especially if you, um, well, two things, number one, it's going to help you with your faith, but number two, it's going to help you in talking to and dealing with if you ever encounter people, which I guarantee you will, because it's so popular. It's everywhere, man. And I'm, I'm like, every time I see it, it's like disgusting to me. It's totally disgusting to me. Um, but we're going to talk about that and, uh, and it'll help you. Number one, I'll tell you basically how I'm going to break it down. Number one, what is it? This is is kind of the outline we're going to follow today. Number one, what is it? Number two, is it biblical? Number three, why is it dangerous? And number four, what should we do instead of what everybody seems to be doing now? So if you haven't yet, share it. We're going to jump in. And uh, I'm going to give you some, uh, some answers right off the top because I'm seeing a lot of people say, not heard of that before. I don't know what that is. So once again, this popular trend is called deconstructing. It's called deconstructing. Many people talk about deconstructing their faith. Uh, This movement of deconstruction. A lot of Gen X, Y, and Z doing this and getting involved in it. So what in the world does that even mean? Well, you'll be able to see that from the surface level, it looks like it's a really good thing. But I'm going to show you why it's a dangerous thing. Um, so let me read you a definition here of what deconstructing your faith is. And uh, no, I'm telling you, Holly, Holly makes a great point. And this is why people start, are starting to do it even more. They're seeing popular people do a lot more of this. Holly said, weirdly, a lot of the Christian musicians that I listened to as a kid are deconstructing their faith. That's absolutely right. So if you've got uh, you know, rappers doing it and you've got you know, people that are in the spotlight that are always posting about how they're doing it and how they're doing it and all this stuff, uh, it's, going to, um, it's going to be something that's not only talked about but practiced. And uh, I'm going to b- break it down. So let me read first kind of a definition of what deconstructing uh, your faith is and then we're going to jump into it. It says deconstructing is the heading that's most recently applied to the process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting aspects of the Christian faith. So let me, let me say that again um, so that we will we, we'll get this. Deconstruction is the process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting aspects of the Christian faith. And it's an application of destructionism, which is an approach that claims, it claims to disassemble beliefs or ideas while assuming that their meanings are inherently subjective. So, we see people doing this. um, And what ends up happening so that doesn't that sound good? It sounds like, well, I'm just trying to more deeply understand why I believe what I believe. That's, that's where it like starts with It comes off as, well, I'm just trying to break down, uh, and understand why I believe the things that I believe, you know, I've been told this my whole life. I went to church and this is what they told me, but now rather than just realizing that I believe it secondhand. I want to break it down and understand actually why I believe what I believe. So it sounds good, right? It sounds like people want to dive deeper into their faith. It sounds like people want to go into the scripture and, uh, and really understand the depth of the, uh, of the doctrinal belief systems they hold and everything. That's what it sounds like. But let me read you this passage here because this is what it actually, for the most part, becomes. Uh, in practice, deconstruction almost always acts as a polite cover for demolition. Modern deconstruction usually means replacing uncomfortable tenets with culturally or personally popular ideas. So what ends up happening a lot of times is that, uh, and we'll get into why people do it, but what ends up happening a lot of times is that people are, are doing this so that they can uh, fit modern or progressive ideas into their Christianity. Let me give you like a popular example. And I was talking with uh, Alex about this too, asking him if he'd seen a lot of it. And he was like, yes, I have. Although they probably wouldn't be smart enough to know the technical term of deconstructionism. But uh, from his perspective, and Alex, you know, graduated high school recently, and he's you know about just about college age you know he's college age so he said a lot of them this whole thing starts with the homosexuality question you know and that's that's where people are at they 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 encounter an area in society culture popular belief that is at odds with christianity and then they say well you know what that can't be right that can't be right you know god obviously loves homosexuals. God obviously isn't going to hold that against them if they're with one partner faithful for the rest of their life. I mean, isn't God love? Doesn't the Bible say God is love and God can't truly be mad at someone for, you know, in fact, he created us. So aren't those desires from his creation of us anyway? And, you know, if, if people I don't mean promiscuous. What if somebody wanted to just be faithful to the one homosexual partner that they had for the rest of their life? Would God really want to judge that? And that's where that, that's where that all starts, right? So then it's like, "Well, they've always told me that that's wrong, but you know, I'm going to deconstruct my faith and see, you know, is that really wrong?" And so this is where all, almost all of it begins is that they encounter a popular cultural or social thought, like the, the, the rise of um, you know, homosexuality in popular culture, and, and they say, well, you know what? God is love. You know, we, we really wanna deconstruct and find out. I mean, we've been told all these years that it's wrong, but you know what? Uh, that's an archaic belief. You know, that's an old time belief. It just wasn't culturally acceptable back then. That's the kind of stuff they're saying. That's the kind of stuff they're doing, right? That's archaic. That, it's just because it wasn't culturally acceptable back then, but we're more enlightened now, right? This is where a lot of people go with this. We're more enlightened now. We have more understanding. We have more, you know, um, and it's, it's interesting because this, yeah, God loves all his children. That, that's like, that's, that's the direction it always goes. So this is why... The person that's deconstruct, uh, defining deconstruction says, isn't it interesting that it leads not to deconstruction, but to demolition. It actually destroys the things the Bible teaches and moves you into a direction that's displeasing to God. That, that is truly what uh, modern deconstruction does. It takes you out of what the Bible actually teaches to trade it for the acceptance of something that's uh, culturally or socially popular. And so now what do we have? We have uh, denominational churches that have shifted totally away from uh, biblical truth. And now we've got denominational churches that have been around for a long, long time that are ordaining homosexual pastors. They are allowing uh, these kinds of things into the clergy. Like they're not just saying that the lifestyle's okay with us as a church. They're saying our ministers can be homosexual or lesbian. And we're seeing that through multiple denominations that have been around for, you know, hundreds of years. And, Aaron's right. That's why theology and faith can never be based on experience, but what the Bible actually says. It's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so what we have is it's a moving away. Well, Paul talked about this in prophecy, uh, you know, 2000 years ago and Paul, uh, predicted by the Holy spirit that in the last days there would be doctrines of devils, Things that would be taught in the church and from the church that would just be doctrines of demons. Paul prophesied that people would have itching ears and would accumulate to themselves teachers and preachers who would just say what they want to hear and not what the Bible actually teaches. So we want to get into this today because we want to say, okay, well, that, so to lay it out, that's what it is. That's how it's defined uh, currently, people and I love how it sounds so right on the surface. You know, I w- I want to reexamine the scriptures to truly see if they uh, teach what we've always been told that they teach. And so it sounds like, yeah, I want to get deeper into the Word. And really, it's an excuse, or as this person put, a polite excuse, to pervert the ways of God and to trade the truth for lies. To trade the truth for lies. And it always starts with these types of uh, issues that the world, an antichrist agenda, is pushing on us. And the church is being persecuted once again for their thought process on a scripture that has never changed uh, in the 2,000 years since it's been around. And I'm talking about the New Testament. And so, uh, yeah. Well, as Dylan said in the comments, a Presbyterian church two miles from ours uh, had a female pastor who announced that she has a girlfriend and half of the church was okay with it. Exactly right. And that's and AJ's bringing up the point, this is the first thing we have on record that Satan said in the Bible, in the Garden of Eden to Eve. Did God really say, and then he perverted what God actually said. Did God really say that you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? No, he didn't say that. He said, just don't eat from this one, right? And so Satan questions God and then perverts what God actually said. And so uh, we want to to break this down. So now that you understand basically what deconstruction is, let's ask the second question then. And so the second question is, um, is deconstruction biblical? Is it a biblical or scriptural thing to do? Well, in some senses, if you did it in the most uh, honest way, yes, it is biblical. If you did it in the most honest way that you should be doing it, not in the way that they're doing it as an excuse for progressivism, but in the way that the Bible teaches we should, which I'm going to break down for you now, Is this process biblical? Well, let's look at a few passages in the Bible. Let's look at what the Bible says. Um, First, let me read you this phrase. Scripture commands each person, each individual believer, to scrutinize his or her faith. So you need to know that. The Bible commands each individual believer to scrutinize his or her faith. So go with me to Acts chapter 17 and let's look at what the Berean believers did. Because even though, even if something is preached to you, that doesn't matter. Just because somebody preaches something to you doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't mean it's true. You've got to check that thing against the word of God, against the word of God. And again, by the way, for those of you that are on, and listening, whether live or on the replay, this is why it's going to be so important in the month of March when we launch this Bible study course that we're going to do together. This is one of the main reasons why this type of stuff is so important, because if you don't, if you don't understand how to properly study the scripture, how to properly study the Bible, you're in danger as a believer. People don't recognize that you're in danger as a believer. So on March 28th, When we open the registration, I want you to be a part of this upcoming Bible study course in Miracle Word University, because we're going to give you all of the tools and show you the principles of how to properly study the Bible, and then I'm going to lead you through Bible studies, all different types, topical, doctrinal, character, uh, you know, all these different ways, word studies, book studies. We're going to go through them together and put them uh, into practice, but let's look at this. Acts chapter 17 And verse 11, this is the Berean believers. Listen to this. And the Bible says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were actually so. So they would receive teaching, they'd receive preaching eagerly, but then they didn't just take it at face value. According to scripture, the Berean Christians not only eagerly received the teaching and preaching, they would go back then and check that teaching and preaching against the scriptures on a daily basis so that they could ensure that what they heard was actually scriptural. That's an excellent discipline to form. Excellent discipline to form. And what you might be surprised to find is some of the popular things that you hear taught in Christianity today cannot be backed up by scripture. You know, I've taken time at length to go through the hyper grace teaching and show you how it's not a scriptural teaching. It's, it's something that's dangerous. So that's what the Berean Christians did. They listened to the preaching. They listened to the teaching, but then they fact checked it against the scripture that's exactly what they did. And that's what we should do. That's what we should do. Secondly, not just fact-checking against the Scripture, but then we should create a thoughtful preparation of these things, right? So that we could explain them to somebody else. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. And you can put these in the comments for me for those that are watching later. They'll see these references come up. So that was Acts 17, 11. But let's pop in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 15. By the way, this is why I also try to give you so much scripture when we're going through these teachings, is because I don't want you to think this is just my opinion, I want you to see what the Bible teaches about this. What does the scripture actually say? So now we're in 1 Peter 3, and verse 15, and uh, Peter writes this, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So that that word there, that phrase to make a defense, that's that Greek word apologia, which it that's exactly what it means. Like a lawyer to make a case, to make a defense. You don't know why I believe that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh? Let me take you to the scripture and show you why I do. You don't know why I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? Let me take you to the scripture and show you why I do. You don't know why I believe that divine healing is available under the covenant that we have with Christ today. Let me take you to the scripture and show you why I do. This is making a defense for what you believe or the hope that lies within you. And that's what Peter is commanding all Christians to do. And so the second thing is not just checking what you hear and uh, receive from preaching against the scripture. It's also you. Having preparation—that's why it says always being prepared, always being prepared to make a defense. So there are going to be people who have questions. You know, there are going to be people who don't understand why you believe what you believe. We're not called to get angry at them and say, "Well, if you were just as spiritual as I was, you'd understand." If you read your body, that one of the worst things that you could you could do. Well, if you just read your Bible, you'd understand it. I mean, like first of all, that's not gentleness and respect, and it's not going to help that person get the answer that they need. That's why Christians are commanded to be able to make that defense and to give answers to people that truly have them. Now, I know there's people that just want to fight and argue. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about people that truly do have answers concerning the faith. Not just pastors should answer these, all Christians should be able to answer these. So, fact-checking, preaching, and teaching against the Scripture. Number two, uh, knowing how to make your own defense for the things you believe, which is why we launched Miracle Word University to help you do that. And then, what else? It's all right to initially have reasonable, reasonable skepticism. That doesn't mean you doubt the Word of God. It means that when something comes to you, it's all right to break it down and have a reasonable amount of skepticism. If you didn't, then there'd be no way to go and critique what you've heard against the Bible. So, uh, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. This is what the Bible says Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. To see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. See that? So that's the third area. It's all right to have a reasonable amount of skepticism, right? It's like if if you hear something. I remember uh, I was a young boy in one of my father's revivals. He was the speaker, we were at a church. And uh, in the midst of the service, I remember this vividly. I've never forgotten this interaction, by the way. Uh, we were in the midst of the, of the worship service, and somebody gave a word in tongues in the service. And uh, as a moment we kind of we waited, we, as, we, as we often do, we'll wait for the interpretation to come since the word was given to the entire body. So we waited in the service and a man, I think, I don't know, I don't, I can't remember because I was a little boy. It was someone on the platform, but I can't remember if it was the pastor or just one of the other people on the platform, stepped forward and gave the interpretation of the tongue. And uh, he went through and gave this interpretation of the tongue and I watched him. You know, I used to watch all these things take place. And I was watching the man give the interpretation of the tongue, which is scriptural, we should do that. But as he was coming to the end of his interpretation, I saw his face kind of grimace. And he kind of like, he realized that in giving the interpretation, he personally had missed it and given the wrong interpretation. And I remember him uh, when he was, When he was finished speaking, without, I've never, this has never left me. I I remember when he finished speaking, he kind of grimaced and shook his head, and you could hear him say, No, that's not it. I remember hearing it. No, that's not it. And my father then took the microphone and stepped up and gave the actual interpretation from the Spirit of God. I'll never forget that interaction. Well, if we, again, we're here in 1 John 4 1, test the spirits. To see whether they're from God or not. Well, to his credit, obviously, rather than being in pride and being, no, what I said is the word from the Lord. Rather than that, he was humble enough, actually, to recognize that what he had said was not from God. It was not the interpretation of the word that was given. So to his credit, he did recognize it at the end of what he said. Should have recognized it before, but he he did recognize it. And then my father took the microphone and gave what was the spirit interpretation of that tongue that was given. Well, how would we know? I mean, here's the thing. How could we even have known by the Holy Ghost that the first one was not accurate unless we had the ability to be reasonably skeptical and uh, to be able to um, test the spirits, try the spirits. To judge what is being said as the New Testament teaches. Prophecy in the New Testament can be judged. Paul taught that to the Corinthian church. But so can uh, these words from tongues and interpretation. And so can preaching and teaching. So can preaching and teaching. So you have to be able to have a reasonable amount of skepticism. There's times, you know, if I'm sitting with my wife, not with a critical spirit, but there are times... Uh, if I if I'm listening to something or if I hear something, sometimes I'll look at Carolyn and I'll say, um, and and I'll I'll question that thing. I'll say, did you hear that? I'll say, did you hear that? do, now, do you see where that? Is? And we'll talk about it. Carolyn and I will talk about did you see what that that point that was made actually was an assumption, but that's not scriptural. That's not a biblical thought process. And we'll we'll point those things out. But it keeps your mind sharp to understand. If I'm, if I'm current, if I'm constantly reading the Bible and putting scripture into my spirit, it's going to be more obvious to me when things are said, preached or taught that don't line up with the Bible. Now, if people don't read the Bible, they're not going to have those things jump up in their spirit because they don't have anything to compare it to instantly unless they were to take it, go back to the Bible and do a study on it. But if you're constantly reading and filling yourself up with scripture those things are going to jump out at you more readily than if you're not filling yourself with scripture. And so there are times, as I'm sure you guys do, and again, not with a critical spirit, but like the Bible says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. It's all right to have a reasonable amount of skepticism, to check it out. I don't want to just uh, be force-fed and swallow everything I'm given from the pulpit. I want to know Even if it's on a a, a streaming device, even if I'm watching it on YouTube, even if I'm listening to it in my car, I'm not just receiving everything. I've got to spit out the bones and there will be some bones. You eat the meat, you spit out the bones. And so uh, you have to be able to check that out. Now you can even, let me give you another thing. You can use faith-filled friends to help you. And the Bible teaches in Proverbs 27, 17, Proverbs 27, 17, that as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. It's good to have discussions and conversations with your friends about the word of God and say, what have you seen by the scripture? Are there things that you have studied that I don't know yet? Things that I'm still waiting to get into. And what have you seen uh, regarding this subject? And then you have a discussion. You have a, what does the Bible say? You know, and it's good to have that because a friend that's in the faith truly will sharpen your faith, truly will help you. That's why Paul encouraged the Corinthian believers, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, right? What relationship can there be between light and darkness? And Nancy, it's not being judgmental. We're encouraged in the scripture. You're not being judgmental. Don't worry. You're checking it back with what God's word actually said. See here, here's an interesting thought process, and this is not to make people doubters. We should be believers, but again, like the Bereans eager to receive preaching and teaching and then checking it from the scripture daily. So, uh, it's not a bad thing to say, you know what, I want to go back and look, because there is a difference between what the Bible says and what some people say it says, right? It's one thing to know what the Bible says. It's another thing to know what people say that it says. And that's why if you, if you don't have, and I'm telling you, I know it seems like I keep pushing this. It's not because it's because I understand where we're at in 2022, and that people need to know how to study the Bible and, and to rightly divide Scripture. Um, because if not, you'll be like these people in these progressive churches where they'll, they'll distort Scripture to back up anything they believe. They will distort Scripture to back up anything they want to believe. And so we've got to test the spirits, get multiple perspectives, that's okay. And then um, go to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15, and look at uh, verse 22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So it's okay to have people speaking into your life, to have discussions with people, to get different perspectives. And then, of course, we know everything that we can see in in the creation of God, but remember something. And this this might be one of the most important things from this section that we talk about. Look at 2 Corinthians 13, 5. This this will keep your your life in like total check if you keep this this in your spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Turn there and, and highlight it. Look at it. Paul writes this as he's finishing up his letter to the Corinthians, his second letter. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. (laughs) That's heavy right there. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. You fail to meet the test. So so look at that. We're commanded as as Christians, just as these Christians were, to examine ourselves. Constantly examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. I had somebody get mad at me a couple of days ago on social media because of the things that I posted regarding uh, how Reformed Calvinists believe about eternal security and how... uh, Uh, I I talked about um, that they don't believe that a true Christian, that a true Christian, I'm getting ready to explain it, Aaron. She said, how do you test yourself? This is what I'm explaining now. They got mad at me because I I posted about how Calvinists believe that a true Christian will never leave the faith, that they will never uh, fall back into sin. A true Christian will continue on until they die or until Jesus comes, Uh, because God is preserving them and they will persevere. Uh, And so the danger is then saying, which is what they say, if someone does backslide, if someone does leave the faith, they were never truly saved in the first place. It was a false conversion, which is totally false. That's not true. You can be genuinely saved And leave the faith. That's why the Bible teaches about people that are apostates. They were in the faith and they left the faith. Right? And so go back and what, what day was it, Tiff, that I did the broadcast on that? On the Calvinism thing. Was it last week? When I talked about. Yeah. So go back last week. If you missed that broadcast, I went back and talked about Calvinism and explained this whole thing. But let me just say this. The danger is if you don't believe that a true Christian could ever sin and then fall away, uh, then you've got this idea of false conversion. You've got serious biblical problems like John 15, which someone mentioned in the comments. So um, the way that you test yourself is you compare your life with what the Bible says. And the reason that I'm saying it that way is because that's what Jesus said. And here's the title for those of you that um, want to go back and watch that. Uh, and, and we'll put the link up and stuff too if you want to go back. But catch this. You, you look at what Jesus taught in John 15. My father is the vine dresser. I am the vine. You are the branches. Okay, pretty easy to understand. God's the vine dresser, Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. And then Jesus said, any branch that is in me that refuses to produce fruit, my father, the vine dresser, will sever it from the vine, will cut it off the vine and throw it into a pile to be burned. But any branch that does produce fruit, He goes on to say, will be pruned. My father will prune him so that he'll produce even more fruit. So this is where, and of course, Jesus made this teaching very plain to his disciples. You'll know them by their fruit, right? So this, this is where we're looking here. When, when Paul tells the Corinthians, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith or not, then you have to say, well, what, what? What does the examination, what should it show, right? What should the examination show? It should show my fruits of righteousness, my works of righteousness. The examination should show that my actions are consistent with scriptural commands. My actions are consistent with scriptural commands. That's what the examination should show. And so... You know, as, as we're dealing with this subject today, uh, you know, and, and, and here's what I, this is why I think it's so very dangerous for people that just want to go back and make room in the Bible for their cultural and social progressive beliefs is because what you're in danger of doing is altering God's expectations and by misinterpreting the scripture without even knowing it, You fail the test. You fail the test. And as a result, as Paul said, you become disqualified. Barrio says, isn't one way to test the spirits is to ask if they believe Jesus Christ came in the flesh. The Bible says so. The Bible says so. Uh, Another place, Barrio, that that the uh, Bible, uh, uh, another scripture that the Bible gives us is that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so, of course, you know, if somebody refuses to declare Jesus as Lord, then they're not a Christian anyway. If somebody refuses to declare that Jesus came in the flesh, they're not a Christian anyway. Because if they, if they deny that, how could there ever be a crucifixion, a resurrection, and redemption? So yes, the, those are true things, and those are very baseline things. But what about, what about fruits of righteousness? Right? We read Galatians chapter five, Paul breaks them down. So the issue we find is that when people, let's say people start to quote unquote deconstruct. Now I do want to read you something else here that, uh, that is interesting. Um, listen to this, listen to this, uh, little paragraph that was written on deconstruction. Some people deconstruct in response to deeply personal pain. Those who've been neglected, rejected, or even abused within a church context struggle to separate unbiblical traumas from legitimate teachings of Scripture. Failures and betrayals from Christian leaders create heartache and embarrassment. Pain felt by those we love becomes pain in our own lives. Some respond to these struggles by doing what? Jettisoning doctrines just rejecting doctrines whole like as a whole or beliefs this is partly in an attempt to distance themselves from the stigma of another person's actions so maybe we've seen that where um you know that's that's like saying you know you see somebody you see somebody abuse let's let's take for example somebody abuses the prosperity message and so as, as a result People that have been in that abusive situation say, yeah, that, that prosperity gospel's false. And so they no longer believe that God has a desire to bless you financially, that there's the seed time and harvest. They, they, they reject all of it because they had an abusive uh, experience with some dummy that uh, really was <clears throat> using the Bible for his own personal gain as uh, the Bible teaches some false prophets will and do. And so what are you going to do, throw the baby out with the bathwater? Listen, there are people who abuse the salvation message. Look, look at somebody that used to be a Pentecostal preacher that has become a full heretic and apostate, Carlton Pearson, who had one of the largest churches in Tulsa, had the massive Azusa conferences every year, I mean, was world-renowned. Everybody knew who he was. I mean, very public figure and completely, completely did a 180, and went went off into universalism and total reconciliation, which means he believes that there is no hell, there is no hell, and that every single individual in history will go to heaven by the end, including the devil and his fallen angels will be restored and totally reconciled to God um, at the end of time. So totally apostate, totally in contradiction to the scripture, totally gone. Well, that's an abuse of the salvation message. So what are we gonna do? Stop preaching salvation because one guy that was very, very popular had a, went, took a hard turn and went off into heresy? No, you don't stop preaching salvation because there are nut jobs that have abused the salvation message. Nor do you stop preaching healing because there are nut jobs that have abused the healing message or prosperity. Or grace, even though there are people that have totally abused the grace message, there is still grace available to the people in the body of Christ. And the Bible teaches grace, but not in the way that they teach it. Allison Allison said, how in the world do people turn like that? By demonic deception. And normally a life of sin behind the scenes is what takes place. And And then it changes their doctrine. And then it changes their life. Absolutely, Terry. Entertaining a spirit of deception. No question. No question. And so we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because you had an abusive situation doesn't mean that that person was representing what the Bible really taught. And so that's one reason. Well, the other, the other uh, thing that's really, <laughs> really sad is um, let me read this one to you. To say deconstruction means choosing easier beliefs is an oversimplification. And yet it almost always means adopting views palatable to the unbelieving world. That's what we're seeing today. That's what seeker sensitivity does. That's what true modern progressivism and deconstruction does. It means adopting views that are palatable by sinners. All too conveniently, it means moving away from positions on sexuality, gender, salvation, sin, hell, and other issues that are not embraced by popular culture. That's exactly what happens, and that's what I was talking to Alex about. It almost always starts with the sexuality debate, the gender debate, the debate on hell, sin, punishment. Why would a loving God do that? And the vast majority who claim to be deconstructing move with the flow of their surrounding culture, not against it. This movement dem- demands safe space to, ans- to ask difficult questions, yet ironically, uh, it often settles for easy, comfortable answers, or just chooses which aspects of faith to retain based on personal preference, which is dangerous. So like I said, you get into these uh, arguments of sex, sexual preference, gender preference, Uh, you know, sin, hell, all these different things, and people don't like that. Well, I don't like that the Bible teaches that. That can't be right. Says who? Says you? Says you? And the thing that's crazy about it is, uh, let's go on to point number three. Why is this dangerous? So we know what deconstruction is. We know if it's biblical. Well, in the way that I described, it is biblical to check those beliefs against the Bible. But again, that's the important part, against the Bible, against the Bible, and not twisting scripture to make it say what you want it to say, but to look and see what it actually says in context. But then you ask the question, well, why is this dangerous? Well, uh, when we look at orthodoxy, orthodox beliefs, when we look at the tradition of the Christian church, do you honestly think that the most intelligent men in the last 2000 years, the apostles, Christ. You know, you look at the, some of the most intelligent theologians that ever lived, the early church fathers. Thomas Aquinas, Irenaeus. These men were so unbelievably intelligent and not operating with a bias in these areas. Looking at what the scripture said and they read the original languages. Do you think that things that have been set into orthodoxy for thousands of years are just huge hoaxes? Do you think that there was somehow, because of a cultural preference, some kind of a, um, a cover-up to not allow homosexuality into Christianity? Or do you think that you can just go back with, to Romans chapter one and actually read what the Bible says? Let me, let me just give you a little taste of this, an example of how easy it is if you do what the, if you literally just go back and read the Bible in its context, to understand what God's talking about through these writers. Listen, listen to this. I don't know how hard it is for people to realize and read this stuff. Romans 1.18-28 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up In the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women... And were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men, and receiving in themselves the the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And then it goes down through and lists the things uh, that are included there. But I mean, that just, that's a pure explanation and description of homosexuality. You never have to wonder, uh, you think God's against homosexuality? Yes. But does he love the people? Yes, he does. Does he want to see them turn from wickedness? Of course he does. Did he send Jesus to shed his blood so that they could be saved? Yes. Does he want the gospel preached to them? Yes. But does that mean that he's okay with their sins? No. No, it doesn't if they don't turn from wickedness, if they don't repent, if they don't receive Christ as their savior, they will ultimately suffer eternal punishment. That's Romans chapter one verses 18 through 28, Bonnie. Romans chapter one verses 18 through 28. So we can go back to scripture and clearly see these things. And then God has given us men of God Who have helped us by writing books and giving us answers to these questions from a biblical perspective. Um, Dr. Michael Brown probably um, wrote the best book on this uh, subject that our generation's ever seen, or maybe any generation, uh, called Can You Be Gay and Christian? That's the name of his book. Dr. Michael Brown, um, who goes into the original languages and shows you, because that's one of the things they argue. Well, it didn't, the original Greek words didn't actually mean homosexual. It meant men abusing boys. So that's what they try to argue. But he breaks it down from the original languages. He shows you what it's always meant throughout Christianity. And the book is called, Can You Be Gay and Christian? And so God gives us also spiritual leaders, pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers who help us to see what the Bible says. And so it's not wrong to go back and say, uh, you know, okay, for, for example, on this subject, it's not wrong to go back and say, well, why do I believe scripturally that homosexuality is a sin? Why do I believe that? That's a good question. That's a question you should ask. That's a question you should study out. That's a question you should have answers to, especially in 2022. What is a stupid thing to do is to is to start with a bias and try to find your answer in the Bible and say, well, like I did at the beginning, isn't God love? God is love. And doesn't God love all of his children? And doesn't, isn't God happy when people are faithful to just one person? So God, there's no way God could be angry or uh, upset about or punishing two people that are faithfully, uh, you know, dedicated to one another, even if they are same-sex marriages. So to start with that bias and belief and then to launch into Scripture to try to find a way to justify that, which is what a lot of deconstruction truly is, it is trading the truth for a lie, that's a problem. Because now what you're attempting to do is to read your bias into the Bible. And people are so adamant about doing it, they will twist Scriptures totally out of their context and they will completely... um, Uh, mutilate the Bible in order, in order to believe what they want to believe, what they want to believe. So why is it dangerous? Well, you know, orthodoxy has been set by proper doctrinal understanding, by proper Bible study. That's why we're going to launch into it. I'm going to, this is going to be a massive help to you starting next month. But, so what do we do instead? What should we do instead? We examine the tradition of scripture. We examine, we should know we should know. I'm telling you this because there's going to be people, especially, that if you've not seen it, you're going to come across people that are already doing it. You're going to be able to help them. But let me show you how to do it in a way that's going to help you build your faith. Um, when you're going to look at a question, and I'll, every one of us have questions, I guarantee you there's, that everybody watching the broadcast has things about Christianity that you're not fully solid on. That you need to ask those questions. It's good to ask those questions, you know, and not just, and not just brush over them and say, well, I guess I don't understand it. No. Let me, um, let me say a couple of things happen to people sometimes when they ask these questions. Now, if you're in a church that doesn't want to deal with this stuff, let, let me, let me address this for a moment. This is why I go so hard railing against seeker sensitivity in churches, because you say like, well, what's wrong with a seeker sensitive church? Isn't that the idea to get people from the world to come into the church? Well, of course, evangelism is the idea. Of course, conversions and discipleship are the idea that Jesus promoted, but it's not about the idea. It's about the method that you want to go to get there. And what you're at, the end result of what's happened in many of these churches is that they've, as, again, as I've said, they've moved away from these teachings that are scriptural teachings that bring about repentance. Let me ask you, how are you going to have repentance if your church has removed any teaching on sin or hell or judgment? I mean, how do you have repentance at that point when you don't preach anything at all? about sin, or hell, or judgment. Where's the conviction coming from, from the people that are in those churches? Where's the conviction coming from? There there is no conviction. That's why those kinds of churches can be filled with unbelievers, filled with unbelievers, who never feel the conviction to change. You can go to church there for three years and never repent of your sin. Never. Never. And so that's extremely dangerous. So when you go to a church that seeker sensitivity is their goal, that one of their main thrusts is that nobody be made to feel uncomfortable. I've seen websites for churches. You can attend our church in total anonymity. Really. So come into the church and hide. That's, That's truly it. Come into the church and hide here. Total anonymity. And that's, that's a massive, massive mistake. We don't want to know who you are. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to tell us you're a visitor. You don't need to tell us your name. You don't, which really what that means is you don't have to be submitted in any way, shape, or form. You don't have to be a part of anything we teach or do in any way, shape, or form. We don't want any way to check up on you. Well, then how do you disciple people? You can't. You can't. It's impossible. And so churches, you know, we keep the lights down. You can have total anonymity. No one's going to ask you a question. No one's going to ask you to fill out a form. No one's going to ask you to raise your hand. Okay, so what's the point of even coming? Because you're not teaching. If Much of it has become entertainment. And so there's a lot of entertaining series, very surface level series. But where's the teaching that's going to change a life? You, you wonder why so many of our young people have no understanding about why they believe what they believe. Why do you think they're leaving the church? Why do you think they're deconstructing? No one ever taught them why we believe what we believe as Christians. No one ever raised them up and said, here's why this is wrong. Here's why we do believe this. Here's why we lay our hands on the sick. Here's what." And nobody's ever done those things. I was, I've told you this before, but I was there was a, a popular Christian band, very popular Christian band, who their lead singer... Had announced that he'd left the faith, completely left the faith. And, um, you know, when asked why he was leaving the faith, <laughs> the, 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 he said, well, the church couldn't answer my questions. The church couldn't answer my questions. I was like, okay. So I wanted to go say, well, what man, I wonder, what kind of questions did he have that were like caused him to leave the faith, to fully, you know, he's a full apostate now. And I went back and looked at the questions. And thought to myself, these aren't even hard questions. No, it wasn't newsboys. I was like, these aren't even hard questions. I went back and I was like, I felt sad because I was like, man, his pastor is going to have to answer to the Lord for not being able to answer these questions for this, this man. They weren't even deep theological questions. They were stuff that like, if you had a pretty basic understanding of Scripture, you should have been able to just answer from the Bible. And I thought, man, his pastor couldn't answer those? Now, you're in trouble Like when your pastor can't answer basic theological questions. You, you, you've got a problem. And so he was so, so distraught because his questions couldn't be answered, he just left the faith. Maybe the thing you might have wanted to do is to leave that church and find a church that's actually preaching the, the full gospel of Christ. They can answer those questions with ease. Answer them with ease. And I thought to myself, here's the problem. Here in a practical example is the problem that has come from 30 years of seeker sensitivity. You've got uh churches that are so focused on entertainment and surface level encouragement that they can't even answer basic doctrinal questions. It wasn't Hillsong United. It was, I believe the band was called Hawk Nelson. Hawk Nelson was the name of the band. And I thought to myself, this is what's come from three decades of no doctrine, seeker sensitivity, entertaining everybody and making sure nobody's uncomfortable. Now you're seeing the fruit of it because remember that whole thing was seeds being planted, seeds being planted, seeds being planted. And what's the result? Eventually you're going to have 30 years of people grow up and now they're 30 and you're going to see the harvest of what that produced in their life. 40 years old, 50 years old. And what did it produce in their life? Well, you're going to see just like I asked you to look What does the hyper grace message produce in people's lives? You're going to see. You're going to see. And so this is one of the reasons why I'm going so hard against this is because it's not wrong to ask questions. You should ask them just like the Berean Christians did. You should check it against the scripture. But what people are trying to do is that because they've never been taught, they're deceived. They think, wow, Christianity is really being mean towards these groups of people. In, in our society, in our culture. And rather than trying to reach those people with the truth of God's word, instead, we're trying to come back to God's word and make provision for their lifestyle in the Bible and calling it deconstructing. And it's really demolition and not deconstruction. It's demolition. They're destroying faith instead of clarifying faith. They're not clarifying their faith. They're completely removing things that Jesus commanded, removing things that the apostles taught and that the Holy Spirit inspired so that they can be comfortable with the spirit of Antichrist. It's absolutely asinine. It's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Because what, and and I wanna finish by giving you this thought process. The reason it's so dangerous and the reason I'm telling you to do what we're, we're doing about it is because um, it's not going to be how much like the world you are that changes them. It's going to be how unlike the world you are, right? There's this mindset, I got to be more like them to reach them. That's why people have moved towards this thought of relevance. I got to get relevant. I need to be relevant. I need to be more like them. I need to look like them. I need to talk like them. I I need to seem like them. Mistake. It's a mistake. And that's why when we start tailoring our services, we start tailoring our services to make sinners comfortable. That's why we start having churches that are playing secular songs in their praise and worship sets. Why? Well, we we want to do songs they know and that they're comfortable with to start off. Oh, really? In the house of God. And so we're doing things to make sinners comfortable in the house of God. I got to be relevant. Got to be more like them. I got to reach them where they're at. <laughs> the word of God reaches them where they're at. You don't have to do. I mean, you know, it's crazy. It gets into foolishness. There, there are bar ministries now where these Christians from churches go into bars and sit at the bars with people in there and just, they drink and they throw shots down and they have beers and try to reach, uh, you know, the people that are sitting at the bar. We go in and drink with them. We go in and throw the shots back with them, but we tell them about Jesus. It's foolishness. They're not going to look at you. And say, man, I need to be more like them. I want my life to be more like theirs. Their life is already like yours. They already look like you. And that is not, that is not what's going to change people. It's going to be how different you are from the world. That's going to change the world. Not how much like the world you are. Yeah, that's right. AJ said there's a church in his little southern town that has a brewery Bible study a brewery, they probably get involved in brewing their own beers. It's one of their home group things to do. They brew their own beers, and then they talk about the Bible. We know churches like that. We know churches that have done that before. Or there's like the the lady that that my wife, (laughs) the lady that my wife uh, found uh, on Instagram, Wine Courage. Instead of N-courage, it's Wine Courage. These ladies come around for a Bible study, With a bunch of bottles of wine, and they have, you know, it's like, dude, it's not gonna be how much like the world you are, it's gonna be how unlike the world you are. They saw Jesus, and they said, What kind of a man is this? They couldn't understand him, even the disciples who hung with him. What manner of man is this? Or look at when they, they said, Who is this teacher? We've never heard a teacher teach with such authority before. Who is this man? He was different. He was different than everybody else. What did they say about the apostles? They dragged them in, made them stand before the high council. What did they say? They they commanded them and all these things. And then the apostles returned with their answer. We must obey God rather than men. And what did they say about those apostles? They said, man, we can tell that they are unlearned, uneducated, ignorant men, But we can also tell that they have been with Jesus. They didn't recognize the power on the men because of how much like them they were. They said, no, we recognize the power on these men because of how much like the Lord they are. It's my difference that makes me powerful. It's not how much like the world I am that makes me powerful. It's my difference. It's my separation that makes me powerful. And that's why you look at this nonsense that's going on today with progressivism, you know, where they want to do everything in the church to make the things in culture acceptable. It's foolishness. You'll never change the world. You'll never change the world. You know what they're doing? They're eternally murdering people. Think about this for a second. What do you do if you take sins that God has condemned and find a way to convince those people that they're not even sins. Get this in your spirit. What do you do? What do you do? When you are finding people in sin and finding a way to convince them it's not sin. You're eternally murdering them. And that's why this progressivism and this deconstruction is such a demonic and a dangerous thing is because they want to take an antichrist spirit and they want to read it into the Bible and then convince the masses there's nothing wrong with you. You're on your way to heaven just like me. We're all God's children. This is all cool. It's all fine. No problem. That's the problem. That's the problem. Remember something. We are servants of the Most High God. We are servants of God. And this... Is above us this word is above us meaning I don't modify this to fit my life I modify my life to fit this keep that in your spirit I don't modify this to my life I modify my life to fit this that is why what Paul told the Corinthians at the end of 2 Corinthians 13. Examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Because if you're not in the faith, it's time to get back in. It's time to begin to produce works of righteousness, produce fruit. I don't want to be in the... um, I don't want to be in the process of um, endangering myself in such a way that I ignore what the Bible says to make others comfortable, but in the meantime, stop my own fruit production. Because the moment I stop my own fruit production is when the vine dresser is looking at me. Oh, you don't want to obey my word. You don't want to do what the Bible says. That's why Jesus taught in John 14, 21, it's the people who have his word and obey it that truly love him. Not people who say they love him, people who have the word and obey it, and obey it. I want to pray for a couple of things for you today before we go. Number one, I want to pray that God would give us a greater hunger for his word. Many of us need to be in this in this area where we're seeking things out to fully understand and make a defense. But not just a hunger for his word. I want to pray that God gives you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in this month of February that comes on you like you've never had, where things come alive to you. And this, the, the, the course that's starting next month is going to help you immensely too. I'm doing that for you because I know we all need to be here. We all need to get this into our spirits. But then again, God, trust me when I tell you God's getting ready to use you to bring people out of bondage this year. God's going to use you to bring people out of bondage in 2022. And so I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you. We thank you for this word that's eternal. It never changes. As Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So we thank you for an eternal, inspired, inerrant word given by your Holy Spirit. Today, I pray you give us an even greater hunger for the mighty word of God. Give us a greater hunger. And, Lord, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation as Paul prayed for the Ephesians. A spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of our our understanding be enlightened in Jesus' name. Let us see what we've never seen in your word. Let us be able to make a strong defense for what we believe. We're not... The wishy-washy Christians that are swayed by every wind of doctrine. But we are those that are, uh, our houses are built on the rock. The rock of God's word. And we thank you, Lord, for it. We give you praise. Now I pray that you would open up our boldness. Open up our lives this year. And especially as we're taking divine possession in the year of 2022. I pray that you would give us opportunities to bring deliverance to the captive and to set people free by the power of the Holy Ghost, tearing down deception, tearing down the wickedness that holds people in bondage. And let us bring many into the kingdom this year by the power of your spirit. We thank you. We give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you believe it and receive it, throw some fire in the comments. Again, don't forget tonight. Starts, Signs and Wonders Camp Meeting. If you heard me just uh, mentioning something a moment ago and you're like, "What is? what are you talking about? What Bible study is starting next month? We're getting ready to launch a new course in Miracle Word University that's going to be about how to study the Bible properly. And we're gonna go through this together, but I'm not just gonna give you the tools and the resources to understand how to properly study scripture. But along with that, we are together going to walk through different types of Bible studies in real time, doctrinal studies, topical, word studies, book studies, character studies. We're going to do it together. I'm going to show you the tools that I use. I'm going to show you how I go through things. You can ask questions. We're going to have a private Facebook group. It's going to be a wonderful thing. We're going to be able to uh, start registrations on March the 28th, and uh, it will be open for a limited period of time maybe a week and a half, two weeks is it. And then once we've closed registration, it will not be open again until late fall. And so if you wanna be in with all that's going on as we go through all these studies, uh, you have to register by the, by the time that we open and close registration. And so there is a cost, Sissy, but we've made it a, uh, affordable. It's a monthly subscription. It's gonna be, a, I, we haven't settled on it, but it's gonna be right around $15 a month to be a part Uh, of this ongoing uh, deep Bible study. And so it'll be unlike other courses in Miracle Word U in that it's not one just static course with a static group of videos. Um, We're gonna be releasing, there'll be a library of videos, Mike, where you'll be able to, when we start, you'll have a a grouping of videos that will be available to you at the very beginning. And then every single week, we're gonna be coming together with a, a new video for that week. Uh, I will not be going every single night. That would be an impossible Bible study, but I admire your hunger, (laughs) but Mike, I'm not going to be able to do a nightly Bible study, but once a week, we're going to come together and we're going to allow you to process that. And, and then you'll be able to uh, do that within your own Bible study as well as I'm leading you through. And uh, yes, Nancy, it's certified by us. We're certifying the course, Um, but it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. We've never done anything like it before, but it's going to be great to be able to do it in a community, the Victory Tribe style community where uh, we're doing it together. We can talk to each other. We can ask questions. Uh, One of the benefits, I believe, of being a part of this is that as we're going through, from time to time, I'm going to go into that private Facebook group to do a live question and answer session with you guys where you'll be able to log on and we'll go through these questions you guys have as we're learning and so it's interactive in that way in a way that the other courses have not been so far and um, I, I know that people are going to come out of this totally different totally different and it's going to be extremely beneficial to your Christian life so um, I'm going to be I'm going to be uh, starting that next month and it's going to be great it's I was joking Holly because she said it's not like there's not like a um, what would you call it um, yeah, it's not accredited through a Bible school, but um, it's going to be just part of Miracle Word University. Cameron says, do we have to buy the Logos Bible software? You don't have to, no. In fact, it's free to sign up for Logos, and you can set it up to where you just buy things you want a la carte, but you don't have to sign up for Logos Bible software, no. Uh, we're gonna, I'm actually going to give you a bunch of free resources that you can use uh, to do your Bible studies, That, and then I'll show you paid resources as well, but it's going to be great. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Again, tonight, Signs and Wonders Camp Meeting begins at 7 o'clock Eastern time. These services will be streamed um, every night this week at 7 and then uh, in the mornings, Wednesday through Friday at 10.30 a.m., finishing Sunday morning at 10 a.m. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Don't forget, brand new Last Gen podcast available. Uh, You can get it on on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, The question and answer session from Alex. It's a really, really good one to get involved in. I love you guys. Uh, Thank you for uh, being a part of this. I wanna encourage you to sow a seed today. If you've not done so, you can go to miracleword.com and partner with us. We've got new people partnering all the time, becoming a part of the Victory Tribe, and uh, maybe you've never stepped out yet in faith to do that. Please do, please do. Maybe God is speaking to you to do it, Uh, and, and you're an answer to our prayers. We've asked the Lord to connect a specific amount of people with this ministry. Um, that would stand with us as we're preaching the gospel. So when you go to MiracleWord.com, you can click the partner page and see all that we're doing and then become a part of it. Cynthia, it would be worth making a Facebook just to be a part of the private Facebook group. You don't have to go on it. You don't have to engage with other people's nonsense. You could even make it in a fake identity. You could be Nynthiasoric. Think about that. And then if you wanted to later on work for the CIA, it would be wonderful. But for this month, for those that are partnering with us, we're going to send you Dr. Murdoch's book, 31 Reasons That People Do Not Receive Their Financial Harvest, which is an excellent, excellent book. It will open your eyes. This is our gift to those that are partnering at $85 a month or more. And then, of course, for those that are partnering at $250 a month, there's a drop down. You can choose another book to go along with that. And for those that have partnered at $1,000, uh, this is going to be included. My favorite Bible study resource, the Net Bible with full notes, 60,000 translator's notes. If you want to get any of these, go to MiracleWord.com forward slash offer. Once you've sown your seed, let us know how you did it and where we can mail it. And um, we'll get it to you ASAP. I love you guys so very much. Thanks for hanging with me today. And I love Carolyn. She just uh, is throwing out love in the chat. It's, it's uh That's very benevolent of you, Carolyn. Very benevolent, indeed. We love you as well. I'll see you guys tonight. I think Lena asked, is it on our channel? It will be live on the Miracle Word channels. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you'll be able to get it. It's going to be great. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow morning, 10.30, at Signs and Wonders Camp Meeting. Later.